Welcome, welcome to the Linen Suit and Plastic Tie Podcast. This is the podcast where we dissect and analyze the power of storytelling and learn how to harness it to supercharge our lives. I'm Gorv. And I'm Kevin. Hey, Kev. My family is a Disney-obsessed family. And, you know, it's a whole nother world, Kevin. Um, It's funny because last time we were there, I had a whole debate with my sister about this because I said... Um, I was saying that someone, there's no way the Disney Imagineers aren't working on a way to make Disney less hot in the summer. Because you know, the theme parts are way hot. And the argument I get back on this a lot is that like people say they don't want to make it less hot because it drives people into stores to buy things and it gets them to buy drinks, it gets them to buy ice cream. So I can get on the surface level why people would think that. But you know what? I just have more faith in Disney. <laughs> I think they want to make it the happiest place on earth and I think they're going to forego that initial revenue to make the parks a better experience by creating some kind of misting system or something to make it more enjoyable. Because I think that whole idea of kind of capitalizing on pain points to sell something instead of solving pain points is a very old school way of thinking. And I think Disney spends so much time trying to one up themselves that I believe that that's not how they think. And you know what, honestly, I might just have too much faith in this utopia of Disney. And speaking of utopia, today we are talking to a storyteller that has talked a lot about it uh, in in the podcast she's hosting called Nice Try. Today we are talking to Avery Truffleman. She has already uh, worked on a, a lot of great and award-winning podcasts, including 99% Invisible, uh, Articles of Interest, uh, and The Cut. So today we are going to talk a lot with Avery about the art of podcasting itself. Just going to be a great conversation. So Avery, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What is your story? Oh man, what's my story? Well, my story, my story, you know, it's cheesy, but my story starts at my birth because my parents both worked at WNYC, like the New York public radio station, and that's actually where they met. And I just think that's a really important part of my life and my story not only because my parents are awesome, I love my parents, uh, but it's also because they just like loved working at WNYC and they both worked there for over a decade. And they really raised me with the radio on, just being like, this is so cool. And really reveling in in the radio and enjoying it. I have such fond memories of like waking up and the radio was on when mom was making breakfast or, you know, just it was always on in our in our kitchen, in our living room. And also before anyone really knew about podcasts, I wanted to do radio. And my parents were always like, that is totally a job. They're like, that is a job. And that is a job you can do. And, you know, it doesn't pay very well, but like we had so much fun and that is totally a job. And so their support and their understanding that like, oh, this is feasible. You can totally do this is really powerful and an immense privilege. Like anyone who, so many of my friends are like, my parents have no idea what I do. They don't understand what podcasting is. They want me to be a doctor, blah, blah, blah. Like it's very hard to, you know, turn to your parents and be like, I'm going to do this random thing you've never heard of. And I think getting on the ground floor, like understanding it was possible and having their full support in so many ways was like really uh 
really important. And also just knowing that it was like, I don't know, now there's like this podcast gold rush. And I think uh, at the time I was like totally expecting to work in like a regional station. You know, I applied for jobs at like New Hampshire Public Radio and uh, Alaska Public Radio. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to like work in radio somewhere. So like that was a long wind up. And then the rest of my story really is like I wanted to work in radio, couldn't get any radio jobs. Uh, then I got an internship at the small podcast called 99% Invisible. And my aunt lived in San Francisco. So I was able to crash with her while 99% Invisible like could barely, they paid me, which was very noble of them, but they could like barely afford it. They were like barely chugging along. And then it like kind of while I was in it totally blew up. It was really lucky. And I worked there for seven years and I just got my second job, you know, last year when I switched to New York Magazine. So like a lot of great good fortune, like a ton of great good fortune. Would you say that you have found um, your radio or podcasting presence, your voice uh, very early on? Uh, And, you know, when and how did you find that? You know, it's so funny, like everything, when you look back, talk about storytelling, right? When you look Mm -hmm. back at your life, you can kind of connect the dots in this way that was like, and it all meant something. It was all leading somewhere. But like, I, you know, at the time, I mean, I always loved radio and I was like really into like my college radio station. But uh, I think I distinctly remember sort of latching onto it because I was like, well, I don't know what else. Just kind of grasping at straws, being like, well, this. It didn't feel like destiny or anything. And it's very fun to be able to go back and like rewrite that history and be like, and I was meant to like do this work and my parents ordained it. It, it, didn't, it didn't really feel that way. And I would say, you know, we were talking before we started recording about the process of like teaching yourself how to podcast and how to be on the radio. And I think it's just something that happens with time. And it's really interesting because if you listen to the first episode of almost any podcast, like listen to the first episode of 99% Invisible, listen to the first episode of This American Life, the host's voice is so much higher. It's like a full octave higher than it will be later. And there's just this interesting thing that happens. There's like this drop in your in, in voices over time. And I think it's just when people become more comfortable. I hear it in my first episodes. I'm like, ah, like my, my, my voice is so high and my muscles are so tense because I'm so nervous and I'm so excited. And then as you sort of ease into uh, a familiarity and a comfort and uh, unfortunately a familiarity with listening to your own voice which like always always sucks I always thought I'd get used to it and it like always sucks and it's never fun and no one ever likes it but as you sort of like develop calluses against hearing your own voice and understanding your mannerisms and basically what amounts to sort of knowing yourself you literally and metaphorically start to find your voice and find who you are and I find this is a very interesting like when you think about it in the context of the criticism that is often leveraged against like women and people of color which is like complaints about voice like that their voices are like annoying or too high or not understandable all these complaints that get leveraged against people who have not traditionally been on the radio 
a lot of it is just like give them time you know like there have been mm -hmm. many many years where like let 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 us let us all uh get the get the voice drop under our belts and so i think um uh, uh, honestly it's just because i've been doing this basically since college radio like since i was 18 and I've just had a lot, and I'm 30 now, and I've just had a lot of time. I've just been doing this every single day for, you know, mm -hmm. uh, 22, not 22, oh my God, <laughs> over 10 years, like 12 years. So, uh, yeah, math, not my strong suit. Um, but, the, yeah, so I think it's just like from, from doing it every day. It's like any other sort of workout. Sorry, that's like a, not a really exciting. No, I no, no more dramatic. Great. I Okay. <laughs> I was really hoping you'd tell me it would get easier, though, to listen to your own voice, but... Ah, oh well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is, right? Like, because you're not hearing it through... Through the ear. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So through the bones when you're... You are talking as you When you're talking, listen. you hear it through your skull, and then when mm -hmm. you hear it through your ears, you're like, whoa, what's that? It's, it's really interesting. It's kind of like when you see photos, like, of the way your face looks like flipped around, like when it's not in a mirror, like this is how other people actually see you, not a mirror image version of you. It's like, ah, it's very, it's very weird. But yeah, no, I'm sorry. It doesn't, it doesn't ever get better. It That's never amazing. gets better. Yeah, sorry. Um, I loved what you were talking about though, about um, that's a very physical and like auditorial manifestation of confidence, right? Yeah. Uh, that voice drop. Um, totally. And I think from my experience, uh, Kevin and I have been talking a lot about how we've changed, not as like interviewers, but interviewees, because uh, before our podcasting, we were graduating college and we were interviewing at a lot of different places. Oh. And I was a terrible interviewer. Like, I had no confidence whatsoever. Um, I was so nervous. I rambled a lot. And I'm not saying I'm like great now, but I have noticed a very like substantial difference um when i'm yeah. talking to people because i feel like i am i don't know if it's i'm slowing down or what it is but the confidence has totally changed yeah totally i think it's also i mean you edit your own show right yeah yeah we do yeah i think having i mean so this is the other side of the coin right like listening to your voice always sucks never gets better and it's so useful to really be like because it is painful people don't like to do it but when you go through that pain and you you start to really listen to yourself and you're like, oh, this is this is how I speak. These are my tics. These are my patterns. And you sort of get a handle on yourself in this really interesting way that not a lot of other people take the time to do. I mean, I would never mm -hmm. choose to do it again. It sucks. But it like it. Yeah, it gives you this this confidence and I, what amounts to uh again literal and metaphorical self-awareness which is uh, super cool and also in a weird way uh it, it's created this weird uh symptom where i think podcasters who have been doing this for a long time are actually really good actors but not of other people like they can feign themselves so well because they know they have studied their own voice and their own mannerisms and their own um speech habits that they can basically replicate them and it's it's kind of interesting to observe i feel like anytime i need a voice actor i'm just like ask any podcaster and they can like any veteran podcaster mm -hmm. can like is like a pretty decent actor at 
playing themselves, which also makes you feel like a bit of a sociopath. But I just have a function <laughs> of like having heard so many hours of yourself, you have studied and trained on yourself, which is weird. Yeah, I'm definitely getting starting to get a sense of that because um, I've been spending more time, I guess, editing our content. Yeah. And I've, uh, for me, especially because um, English is my second language. So it, it comes uh, less natural for me sometimes to, you know, phrase things or just really talk in, in general. And I do remember going back to our very first ep episode. That's when I, the, literally the first piece of audio we've ever edited. Um, I could not bear to even just listen through the thing. And then, you know, but you, ha you got to force yourself to listen through that because you want to produce content. And then you really start to pick up, how do I sound horrible? In what ways do I sound horrible? And then I start to, you know, try to avoid doing that uh, going forward. And I definitely feel that change for myself over time. It's very interesting to me how podcasting is getting painted with this broad brush and people are like, oh, podcasters, like blah, blah, blah. You just speak into microphones. And that's like saying, I don't know. It's just like there's so many different kinds of books. Like there's so many different kinds of movies. And I don't know. I don't think any one form is inherently better than the other. Like there are some versions of podcasts that are two people talking that are just incredible, like totally incredible. But for some reason, that's just not the way I like to do it. I just make like documentary style yeah. stuff um yeah you know it's really interesting because we did a kind of a similar deep dive with we went down a weird like not weird but a comic book uh rabbit hole a little bit on the pod because i'm a huge comic book fan Ooh. so i've always been i've always loved it loved it as a medium yeah. because it, it, it's one of those yes. things that gets also painted with a really broad brush uh. where, um and that's why i thought about it because it's like uh, when people think about it, it's it's kind of they're like, oh, superheroes or or like action or kids, but you forget about it as a story time medium, right? It's not all Marvel, it's not all DC. I totally agree, and some of my best friends are cartoonists, and I love. I feel like we have these weird sort of symbiotic relationships, like the like the um, alligators you see with little birds on there. Heads, I just feel like cartoonists and podcasters work really well together. Also, because a lot of cartoonists like listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of podcasters read a lot of comics. And we just are like have this beautiful ecosystem of giving information and inspiration to each other. But the other thing I think that's really unique about it, that's really interesting. One of my best friends is a cartoonist and we always call it like writing plus. Like people think that cartooning is like a very easy thing. You just like do it. Same thing with podcasting. They're like, yeah, just get on the microphone and just like do it. But actually, you have to write it all down. It's like writing. And then you don't just write. You have to go sort of enact it. And like with a, with a comic, you have to design and draw. And, 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 you know, you're basically making a movie by yourself. And with um, podcasting, I mean, you're also sort of making a movie by yourself to some degree. But yeah, it's like. Yeah, um, we had uh, the former co-president of Archie on the show. No um, way! And yeah, and he dove, and he's also a novelist, so he talked a little bit about the differences, and it was one of our first times, and we've gone through this a lot in different mediums now, but it was one of the first times we talked about collaborative storytelling, yeah. and how important all the intricate pieces are that get yeah. lost when you see a weekly comic book, for example, and you don't realize, like, that's a lot of work. There's letters, there's colors, there's sketches, yes. and 
I see those similarities in podcasting as well. Yes, yes, exactly. That's such a good way to put it. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing where like you could do it with a big team. You could do it by yourself, but it would take forever and it takes forever. It would just be like agonizing. So there's also that degree, <laughs> that like question of like how much control do you cede to others? How much do you take on yourself? Um, yeah, I really think of them as extremely of of. And also, I think they both are like not taken very seriously. They have a lot of pop culture appeal for better or for worse. So, yeah, I think of them as extremely kindred spirits. Anytime I meet a cartoonist. Yeah, like I interviewed Alison Bechdel and we were just like, ha, ah, like, buddy, it's, it's just like it's nice. It's like a, there's like an understanding there. Yeah, but let us uh, shift gears into um, the amazing shows that uh, you have been working on. Um, so one of my favorite uh, podcasts that I've listened to is uh, the season one of your nice try so many different angles into uh, these different attempts to uh, a utopian society from, you know, researching and narrating these stories. What have you learned about utopia? Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because you see there are a lot of patterns among utopian communities and most of them have to do with governance, right? Like a lot of these communities start because people are like, ah, I want the government, like the government is corrupt or I don't agree with the government or I don't like my country or I don't like the way society is configured. So like I'm going to go do something else. And then you basically fall back into these patterns where uh, basically they are either led by one person and like a guru or a dictator or they are like mass consensus hours long meetings um you know everyone's supposed to get heard and and it's just like crazy bureaucracy and that gets really tiring and people get super sick of that they're just like oh my god i can't believe i have to go to another meeting or the or if it's led by some guru or leader usually that works pretty well for like a little bit of time when everyone's like this guy's fucking awesome we love this guy and then something happens they get too powerful or they get old and irrelevant they can't keep up with changing times there's like a new generation that comes in the leadership loses connection with the followers and they just can't let go of power they like clamp down they can't let it go they start abusing it's just like it's this wild thing it's always 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 the pattern and then it's just so interesting because another hallmark of i think both of these methods but really more the dictator one is this inability to admit when things are going wrong. Everyone's really trying to present face. Everyone's like, no, 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 we've got this. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And um, it just leads to like a bigger explosion later when people don't address uh, the problems. And so it's kind of sweet when people go into these utopian experiments being like, this will be like nothing that's ever happened before and we're going to build an entire new world. And I think, uh, you know, people who are wanting to establish utopian communities, like, please go do it. We need people to dream and create and push the boundaries of what is acceptable, but like should definitely study these case studies almost as though you were in business school because they are so textbook, but yes. <laughs> no, but I think it, Utopia was really interesting because I think I was listening to Disney episode. Something you talked about was that kind of idea of confidence men. Um, mm. And I think this is really interesting. Uh, these are inherently really good storytellers. These are people who can bring you in, set a narrative, create a story with you, and then create kind of these utopias or cults or Disney around uh, that story. And I think it's really fascinating when we talk about like 
Walt Disney, who created the storytelling company. And at this core with these parts, with these movies, he was a storyteller. Yeah. No, I think about this all the time. Unfortunately, I th it's like very embarrassing to quote Yuval Harari, but he did bring up this very interesting point that he was talking about that we look back at, say, whatever, the Egyptians who are like, we built this temple, like Ra built this temple. This temple was built by Ra or we built it for Ra. And we're like, ha, these idiots, like, you know, they thought Ra made this temple. But then we go ahead and we're like, you know, uh, we being like contemporary humanity writ large will be like, you know, Dubai built this or like New York built that piece of infrastructure or, you know, Cuomo built that. And like, obviously he didn't do it. Like workers did it. Like lots of different people cohered together to make things happen. But the thing that unites everyone, the powerful motivating force is the story, the story that we are like building Dubai or building Taipei 101 or building New York's infrastructure or that like Cuomo is you know, well, not Cuomo anymore, but like some, somewhat, some leader is making this happen. And that's like the mechanism we use to make sense of the world, to be like, yeah, that, to, to help make things make sense. And there's tremendous power in that to motivate people to build a building or get behind a building or visit a building or like visit a city you know, in the name of some greater good, in the name of like our our nationhood, like that's a story that that people tell. I mean, like this is part of Harari's point. He was like, having opposable thumbs isn't what made us human. What made us human was being able to work with large groups of people. And how could you get large people together towards a common cause? You give them a story. It's like a binding force and it's a motivating force. And like, ultimately it's like part of what created, I was like, I, in its most charitable light, it's like, that's what makes us human. And in its like weirdest, you know, perhaps less charitable light, it's like, that's the origins of the industrial, industrial revolution and capitalism and like the end of the barter economy and the start of the cash economy was like these myths that tie us all together. So like weirdly, yeah, there's an insane amount of power in, in, in being a storyteller. And what I love about Utopia and listening to your pod, you hear about some of the people who took it into more of a negative direction through con men and whatnot. Uh, but obviously so many people have taken it in a positive direction. So it's like any power, it can be used for good or evil. And uh, we just want to learn how to use it. <laughs> yeah. To wrap up every one of our episode, we have the segment called Suspenders. It works like this. We ask you a random fun question that is unrelated to anything. Okay. And you can give us any random fun answer you feel like. All right. I love this. This is fun. Question of the day is, if you lost all of your possession, but what? What would you want that possession to be? The one you get to not lose. All of my possessions. It sounds so stupid, but like, I feel so naked without my watch. Like, if I'm not wearing a watch, I'm like, ha ha, where am I? And, um, yeah, I'm a very sentimental, and I don't own like a lot of watches. I just have this one watch, and I just, like, if, I, if I'm not wearing it, I'm so lost. It's like first thing I do when I wake up. 
That's awesome. You're an analog, old school, wearing a watch person. There's not many of you left. <laughs> <laughs> I and it, and it's funny. I feel like when I see watch people out in the world, hey, hello. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It just like keeps me. Yeah, keeps keeps my day regulated, keeps my life regulated. I'm like looking at it constantly and every time I'm like, oh, I'd probably be looking at my phone. I don't know, I get very nervous about punctuality. I think being punctual, and lately I've been quite bad at it, which makes me very embarrassed, but I think punctuality is like super important and an act of love. And so I'm always just like checking my watch as I run around and end up late to things. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um... Wait, what's, your, wait, what's yours? Oh, Kevin, go first then. <laughs> um, Let's see. I'm not going to say my phone. I'm not going to say my phone. You can't say your phone. It's an amazing tool. Oh, I'm going to say my phone. It's I like am going to say It's a God tool. Yeah. Anything from payment to whatever to register an account, I won't have to need my phone. <laughs> yeah. To... Well, actually, okay, I'll counter, I'll counter this. I'll counter this. Because when I... Okay, so... I did a study abroad program in Germany and the ticket had like the 24 hour clock on it instead of the 12 hour clock, which I didn't mm. realize I was an idiot. And so thought, what was it? I, I, I got the numbers confused and basically I thought I was arriving two hours early for my flight because again, I like to be punctual, but again, but by accident I was arriving like just in time for my flight. I like checked in and they were like, oh, your flight is leaving now. You have got to go. And I remember I was like, oh my God, I'm going to Germany for a year. And I like kissed my parents goodbye and like ran through the airport. It was like, ah, fuck, 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 fuck. And like running through customs, like, oh my, not customs, running through security. Like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then my bag did not come with me on the plane because I was so late at the last minute. And I was also an idiot and I packed my computer in my bag. And this was before, like, I didn't have a smartphone then. I just had, I, I didn't, I didn't have anything. Basically I arrived in Germany and I had nothing. They like showed me to the dorms. I didn't even have a book to read. Like I had nothing. I remember I just fell into the deepest depression. I just like cried. But the one thing, I didn't have a change of clothes. I had to like go to an H&M and like buy a shirt. And it was like this for kind of a long time, like four days. It's like a long time to not have anything. But the one thing I did have was my watch. And that was my lifeline because people, the only connection I had to the outside world is someone would be like, okay, meet us out front at five. And I would be like, okay, this is like when I, I could have a life. Like I could meet up with other people and do other things that was all facilitated, you know, in an empty room with literally nothing else. My watch was like my, my key to the world and like a bridge until I was able to get everything else again. So sure, it can't you can't function your whole life with only a watch, but it really is like a remarkable piece of technology when you put it that way. I love that we tied it back. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we tied it back. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we went down so many exciting rabbit holes and we learned so much. So we really appreciate it. Thank you for letting me ramble and thank you for your uh, really interesting questions. I really appreciate it. That was really fun. Welcome back to Top Hat. This is the part of the episode where we dissect and analyze some of the key learnings we got from this week's expert storyteller. And this week we had a truly fascinating person 
and amazing podcaster, Avery Truffleman. So absolutely, we have learned a lot out of this conversation.、Um, and I think for starters,、um, and this is very relatable to ourselves、uh, as podcasters, is how your voice deepens over time. Uh, as you put out、uh, more content, as you're getting more comfortable with podcasting, voice deepening being this very physical and literal manifestation of your confidence. For sure, because you know, over time, the more comfortable you get with this, the less you're worried about how you sound like, and thus you lose a lot of those nerves and you lose a lot of that highness, and you kind of let your Tone deepen, and you get more into the conversation. It's kind of a great kind of analogy for confidence, yes. But also, the better we get at this, the deeper the conversations we have, and the deeper our voice gets. <laughs> and this is how we will sound like in season two. That was insane. Never do that again.、Um, and bringing it to our second key learning from this week was this idea of the intersection of comic books and podcasting. Just kept. You know how much I love comic books, and because of that, we had so many amazing comic book guests. Something that comic books and podcasting have similar and connected is that they're both such intricate and collaborative forms of storytelling that kind of get written off a little bit. For example, with comic books, people kind of relate them to kids and superheroes and forget that it's a medium and forget about. Um, all the people that are involved in one book—the colorist, the ink,、uh, the inker, the writer—in、um, the similar with podcasting, where people are like, "Oh, they're just recording themselves talking," and they're both mediums, and that means you can go into so many weird and different routes with them. They're not just one thing, and they're such intricate and rich forms of storytelling that often get written off. So we、uh, are so grateful to have Avery Truffleman on our show、uh, as someone who has worked. Um, many great podcasts uh, that uh, we definitely enjoy, that many many people enjoy,、um, to、uh, talk to us about all these things. So, this has been another episode of the Linen Suit and Plastic Tie Podcast. See you guys later. Thanks for listening. Make sure to go follow us on various social media platforms <laughs> at LSPT Pod. Oh, and leave us a review because apparently that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs>